Welcome to The Golden Shadow. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Melissa Polizzi. We just spent about five minutes doing goofy Halloween voices. <laughs> uh, Singing the Monster Mash. The, monster, the monster Mash voice. And then I tried Scooby-Doo. Uh, and we decided they all sounded terrible. Yeah. So we went back to doing a regular intro. Mm. Today, we're talking about Halloween. Halloween, yeah. And Halloween is a holiday uh, of darkness, mischief, evil. Mm. It's a holiday that sort of embraces the shadow in interesting ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. So where did Halloween come from? What are the origins of Halloween? How has it survived as a holiday until now? What makes it so popular? What are we doing when we celebrate Halloween? That's what we're going to discuss today. Yeah. I think with many of the modern holidays that we have, there's always like an interesting uh, way to look back at the history and try to figure out the origins of it. And you start to see this sort of like blending and synthesis of different ideas and cultures and rituals. Um, You know, I don't even know if if there's with any certainty um, a, a historical accurate uh, depiction of how Halloween really came to be because there kind of seems to be these two pillars of there is this time in the liturgical year dedicated to remembering the dead, you know, All Hallows Tide, this sort yeah. of like three day, three days of festivities. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also the more Gaelic, Celtic, pagan side of things and um, the end of the harvest and the rituals around that. And they both seem to have uh, possibilities of of being sort of like the, the the source or birth of Halloween. Right. I mean, every every holiday is like this. The, the, it, it hasn't just been one continuous celebration yeah. for thousands of years. It's yeah. something that evolves over time. And this is, I mean, this is true about reality. I mean, this is true about many of the things that we observe in our everyday life. It's like these things are a product of, of evolution. They're coming from all mm-hmm. these different sources. Mm-hmm. And Christmas is... Um, you know, the uh, the darkest time of the year. Yeah. It's coming from a lot of celebrations of the sun, the sun returning, and then you have Christianity, and you get this hodgepodge of things that are coming f- through uh, the ages, and then you bake in a little bit of consumerism mm. um, mm-hmm. and capitalism, and you get something like modern-day Christmas. And right. the same is true for Halloween. Yeah. Halloween is coming from different areas, and it's sort of uh, a hybrid of all these different celebrations. Mm-hmm. It also gets um, inflated by consumerism and sort of becomes what it is today right, right. Um, we're not going to get into the consumerism too much but halloween um is coming from the end of the harvest season yeah moving into winter mm-hmm. it is a sort of fall holiday yeah um one of the origins is i think the the gaelic festival of Samhain or I think it's actually pronounced something like more like Sawin, which is why it's it's better, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm Italian, so I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, but you do see the very interesting sort of origin points with the the more uh, Gaelic Celtic mm. uh, festival because you have this sense of the closing of this period of time and effort mm. and energy, and I think especially when we scale back to um, kind of more um, ancient societies, we see um, lots of rituals built around the seasons and built around um, the efforts that have been put in on a communal level to sustaining life. Mm. And as this time of harvest is coming to a close and the plants are starting to wither and the leaves are changing color, there's a shift not just in the actual 
uh, actions and work that everyone's doing. But, you know, in some ways also the weather is beginning to change and, and right. there's just a big, it's this liminal space where things mm. are moving into a different uh, way of being. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's a sort of transitional time mm-hmm. um, in the season. Um, it's transitioning between the longest day of the year to the shortest day of the year. It's sort of in the middle once it's around the equinox mm. often. Mm. Um, at least, I mean, these, these uh, end of harvest celebrations. And so there's this feeling that the uh, there's this liminal space, as you're saying, and, and the veil is thinning, that there's sort of a, a crossing over between right. the shadow realm mm. and the... Um, the real realm, yeah. you might say, or the realm of spirits mm-hmm. and the realm of the living. Yes, I find this point particularly interesting in a few different ways. If we think about the uh, the, the more sort of Christian traditions of this in the liturgical calendar and we are remembering the dead at this time and like saints and martyrs and things like that and there seems to be this at least in in energy and in effort um, around um, celebrating Mm. those individuals and remembering them Mm -hmm. um, and communing with them. And that's kind of like built this at least like psychological idea that there is a greater access to that realm within us during this time. Um, And and you do also see that in the Celtic origins. Mm. Um, And so there's, there's something that's happening as we shift in season that makes us feel on this psychological level, on this deep, more deeper sort of spiritual level that things are not how they are throughout the rest of the year. And I think as things kind of cool down and shift, I don't know, at least in our hemisphere, mm-hmm. we might say that there is something that can be accessed, something darker, deeper, that's usually hidden. The nights are getting colder, the days are getting uh, darker mm-hmm. and within that is a reminder of death and the dying. Right. So there's this feeling that perhaps the winter time is going to be a desperate time, mm-hmm. a time of survival, mm-hmm. a time of maybe you're not sure how it's going to go. And I think in the past, people living in the northern hemispheres would have this experience of it's becoming winter and hopefully you've saved up enough food. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you've prepared yourself for the winter because maybe you won't survive this one. So this feeling of um, the spirits coming over during this time and the sort of darkness coming into the world and the, and the need to appease these spirits or the need to honor these spirits. Mm. And sometimes the spirits are interpreted as dead loved ones mm-hmm. coming from the spirit realm. That's why I think there's a, there's this association with uh, um, the Day of the Dead mm-hmm. on November 2nd. Um, and uh, there is a dramatization of spirits crossing over that maybe uh, developed into people wearing masks mm-hmm. and people sort of uh, mumming or um, pretending to be either a spirit or a monster yeah. or someone who is dead perhaps. Mm. Um, and then this ritual of going around and wearing masks and dressing up and being offered food is... I think an origin of this notion of trigger trading mm. that may be evolved into what it is now. Well, you think also about a lot of the typical uh, symbols or I- at least just the decorations that we use, like lots of, you know, coffins and skulls mm-hmm. and dead things. And they're all these like memento mori, like mm. they're reminders of death. Um, and this time is getting us in touch with that on a level of maybe a sort of like familial connection with you know, dead ancestors or people that we honor who have passed on. But 
when we think about it also in relation to the harvest, you know, there's a sense that we are mourning the loss of the crops and of the land. Mm. This is withering, this is dying, and that which has sustained us and which will hopefully continue to sustain us through through the cold, dark winter um, is something that must be recognized and honored and ritualized in and of itself. And so we're recognizing the natural death of summer um, and ritualizing that and and kind of honoring it in different ways. And that is sort of naturally, I guess sort of the evolution of it gets us in touch with all these other aspects of, of dying and loss, but also of rebirth and regeneration. So the holiday nowadays is something that most people listening are probably familiar with, I'm assuming. Yeah. If you're not, I'm not sure where the hell you live, <laughs> but maybe you live somewhere where Halloween's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's possible. Um, but people do dress up. Costumes are a mm-hmm. popular thing. There yeah. is a lot of celebrating. There's a lot of parties that people mm-hmm. go to. There mm-hmm. is trick-or-treating. Yeah. There's candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's notions of mischief. Yeah. Um, pranks, mm-hmm. being sort of a trickster. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a nighttime celebration, so it's very night-oriented. Halloween mm-hmm. doesn't really start until it's nighttime even though some of the young kids are maybe around. Right, right. Um, because the nighttime maybe feels a little intense and dangerous for the younger kids, but this is very much like a, an embrace of the night. Like mm. this is a night holiday. Mm. Uh, there's pumpkins. There's like the color orange. Um, so all of these things are sort of wrapped up into what Halloween is now, and it's kind of a hodgepodge. Like it's not really yeah. like there's any one yeah. way of doing Halloween. No. that people are following. It's mm-hmm. just kind of all these different takes, these different aesthetics, these sort of different rituals are sort of emerging yeah. and coming together on this one night. Yeah. And Well, I think like any good symbol or sort of archetypal dynamic, people relate to it in slightly different ways or they can mm-hmm. kind of pull from it certain areas that resonate to them most. So for some, it's about uh, the fun and mischief and trickery and connecting with others and really like celebrating that dynamic or kind of going out into the darkness and being uh, a little bit of a trickster. Or for others, it might be um, this space to step into um, communion and darkness and kind of feeling into the thinning of the veil and kind of like this sense of like spooky magic that seems to be on the air. Um, All of those are present and probably many more options. And the the modern manifestation allows one to really tap into whatever part of that realm really makes the most sense to them. Right. And this is a, uh, a popular holiday, I think. And it's, it's popular amongst most people of, I was going to say all ages, but maybe as as you get kind of into your retired age, maybe it's not so popular anymore, but still adults love Halloween. Adults really enjoy the celebration, the ritual of Halloween. Mm -hmm. Kids love it too. Um, Well, I find it interesting just the the thought that's coming up as you mentioned that is I feel like there's this kind of time in between like coming of age and being a teenager but mm -hmm. not yet an adult that feels a little weird. Like when I'm thinking about some of my maybe like late teen years, kind of like still in high school but like not an adult yet. It's Mm -hmm. like I'm too old to be out trick-or-treating but I still like I don't know what else to do with myself. So my friends and I are kind of like wandering around and we're all kind of dressed up in a group costume and we kind of feel like we're having fun and being silly, but at the same time, we're all like 16 years old. It's uh, it, sure. it's, a, it's an interesting 
where does that age group sort of like embody like the rituals of Halloween? Because you're kind of stuck in between like that very youthful innocence and the the opportunity it offers adults, which is to really like let loose. Right. So I think it's a universal holiday because mm-hmm. I think the um, the aesthetic that it's tapping into, the sort of experience it's tapping into, the ritual, the the archetype it's sort of tapping into is something that's universal, mm-hmm. which is the dark side mm. in some way or the evil side. Mm. And evil is a complicated word. Or it's um, a time for everything that you are not allowed to do normally to come out, mm-hmm. a repressed mm-hmm. energy yeah. to be vented. Yeah. Um, and you can see this in all these different things that are happening in Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it is nighttime. So there's yeah. this feeling of like you are sort of like in the shadows. Mm-hmm. There's not as many lights on you. Yeah. Um, the persona that you have in the daily working world that can be thrown off mm-hmm. tonight mm-hmm. and you can not only let go of that yeah. and sort of let go of everything that keeps you an appropriate, functional, well-respected person. But beyond that, it's like you can actually become something that you are not yeah. physically. You can dress up as a monster. Right. You can interpret that in all kinds of ways. You can become the shadow side of yourself. You can mm-hmm. become the dark side and people interpret that in all kinds of different ways yeah some people like to be like really uh kind of like godly or powerful figures like angels or even dressing up as like jesus or something like that or like a superhero yeah they're they're like tapping into like a golden shadow right something Mm. strong and powerful and Mm. has an aura to it and then Mm. other people want to be like vampires and frankensteins and devils and things like that it's there's this whole realm of potential um, and something else that comes to mind that I think kind of plays into this there are no rules during Halloween is like the type of like political costumes that we tend to see especially I don't know if this has always been true but certainly in you know since I've been alive Mm -hmm. um, you'll see you know a Obama mask or like a Trump mask or a Biden mask and it's like (laughs) no one is willing to dress up as these like actual figures that we respect in some way during everyday life but Mm. all all rules are thrown out when it's Halloween and we can make Make fun and be mischievous yeah. and and embody some other um, a person and personality in a mm. way that is usually really not okay. Right. So there are all these different ways that people express themselves on Halloween. There's all these different kinds of costumes, as you're saying, but they all mm. kind of seem to circumambulate like this theme, mm. which is uh, something that's usually naughty or something that's um, has uh, people would wag their finger at it yeah. or there's something that's kind of like ironic or something that's in mm. bad taste yeah. or there's something just monstrous. I mean, the fact right. that someone might dress up as, as Barack Obama mm-hmm. and someone else might dress up as like a like gory zombie. Mm-hmm. It's like, how are those related at all? Right. It's like, well, it's it's different people's takes on this sort of naughty world and that could be as extreme as like what's naughty to you is just like extreme violence right maybe that's your interpretation Mm -hmm. if so it's likely that you're a man i would say (laughs) if that's your take on it it's just like gross like violence you know it's like you're probably probably a dude but um someone else's interpretation might be that like 
what is sort of naughty is dressing up as a politician. Right. And it's like, well, that's a very different take on it. But it's like, yeah, but it's kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's it's some, sort of yeah. like this naughty, repressed, dark energy right. that's coming out. What are all the things that we can't talk about usually? Sure. You know, what are the ways in which we can poke fun at things in the way that we often aren't able to? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're often sort of dictated by a societal dynamic that asks us to just, I don't know, be at some level of like PC culture or, you know, to be kind or, mm-hmm. you know, to not poke fun and, and to not talk about things that feel uncomfortable or right. dark. And and that's all accessible on this day for mm. some reason. Right. And there's there's so many different takes on this. So um, for some people, Halloween means getting drunk. Mm. Like just time to like get wasted, like get, yeah. get in a costume and get wasted. And like that's my night of letting out repressed energy right. or that's my night of being naughty. Mm. For other people, like maybe wearing a very like promiscuous revealing costume mm-hmm. like right. i'm just like a like sexy pirate it's like mm-hmm. maybe that's my way of sort of like being naughty yeah. and there's like sort of like yeah. this sexual naughtiness mm-hmm. that like um someone might want to embrace that they don't normally get to embrace in the daily light side of the world yeah um there's also just the the mischief side of this and again you're not you're not really tapping into like a different thing here it's like if a teenage boy's interpretation of what it means to be naughty is to go out and throw eggs at houses or smash pumpkins Mm -hmm. or just be kind of like silly and scare people like jump out of bushes and scare people it's like that's their interpretation of like the night where anything goes and that's different than like well, my interpretation is like I'm just going to dress sexy because right. anything goes. Right. So like this sort of like the night where like everything that's forbidden is now yeah. allowed yes, is yes. really what's going on here. Yeah, and that's something that I think in the culture that we need and we don't often give enough space to. And so we do see it sort of playing out in, in different areas. Um, when we were talking about the episode, I was like, ah. Oh, what is that? What is that concept that where people can just all like kill each other for a night? What is that? Right. Uh, the purge. The purge. <laughs> right. And that's taken what is to, this phenomenon? To the extreme. Super extreme. And but I, there's a movie. I haven't seen this movie, and I guess you probably haven't seen this movie either. But I, <laughs> yeah, but, I, right. I but I believe in the movie they're wearing masks, right? Aren't people like dressing up in costumes? Um, as they go around murdering yeah, people. I honestly have no idea, but I yeah, think maybe we, <laughs> we should be talking about this because we don't know. <laughs> no, but, the, but the concept of, of the purge is is in the culture. There's There's right. been several uh, uh, fictional depictions of this. Yes, and yes. Like, uh, like, as you said, it was like on, it was on like Rick and Morty. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's like... There's this need to like exercise this repressed energy mm-hmm. and the rest of the year everyone is kind and there's yeah. no violence and there's yeah. no crime and no murder. Right. But this night. Right. It all goes down. Right. Because everything gets to get, it gets to be vented yeah. on this yeah. night. Yeah. So that, that's the whole idea is that like the night of mayhem and mischief right. and evil is right. actually a venting night. Yeah, it's yeah. therapeutic. Yeah, it's therapeutic. And the venting on this one day is what allows us to be normal on the rest of the days. Right. And again, the purge is kind of an extreme interpretation of this, but it is speaking to something that's true, which mm-hmm. I think is that Halloween is a night of venting. Mm-hmm. It is a night of repressed energy yeah. allowed to flow outside. Yeah. And it's an interesting um perspective to have on our culture as it normally is which is right. one that is kind of oppressive yeah, yeah and not yeah, in the yeah. way that that's being thrown around nowadays i you know i mean like uh we don't really get to express ourselves as yeah. freely as we want to yes 
in our society. Yes. Not because it's a conspiracy, but it's like you can't really get right. by in our society unless you sort of whip yourself into shape right. and you follow certain guidelines right. and you play by the rules. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to do that, like good luck. But Halloween is a night where it's like the rules are kind of gone. Yeah. At least in like an aesthetic sort right. of dramatized way. Well, it's just reminding me a lot of like, you know, in much of like the Greek traditions, it's like we worship these gods and then we have these rituals and we have these day long festivals where we drink and we're merry and or you have like like Lupercalia, really crazy, you know, old Roman festival where where people are enacting these like primal energies inside mm -hmm. of themselves. And mm -hmm. we've kind of lost touch with that in, in the evolution of modern culture where in service to development and technology and kind of, you know, making the world go round in this very controlled way, we've maybe um, disengaged a bit from those symbolic archetypal ways of being that were being expressed through these these holidays or these rituals and and it's something that calls to us it's tapping into this deeper sort of primordial unconscious realm and you know god forbid halloween's canceled like what will we do <laughs> like we need to express this right. and, and this is maybe the what's left over for us in the modern day is is our day of halloween of, of mischief and darkness yeah i think something that's interesting is that like um i this is a perception. I don't really have any like statistics on this, but my perception is that Halloween as a holiday has stayed popular. It has maybe become more popular over time. And I think it will continue to be popular for a while mm -hmm. again, because it taps into this like universal need and holidays like Christmas on the other hand have probably kind of faded in many ways over time. Mm. At least what, what it, the ritual that Christmas is sort of representing is something that kind of seems to me has become a little trivialized over time mm. where it's kind of like there's like gifts and family. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty universal, I guess. But still, it's like uh, Christmas as a ritual. It's kind of like, mm. like, do people even enjoy Christmas? Like personally, like I don't enjoy Christmas much anymore. Mm. And maybe I never did as a kid really. But like Halloween is still fun to mm. me. I still enjoy it. Um and I think it does sort of provide this perspective that um, many of us feel this need to vent and many of us feel alienated and many of us feel like the culture is sort of something that we don't really feel a part of. Mm. And that's why Halloween is sort of, rather than something like Christmas, like Halloween is really appealing to a lot of different countercultures yeah. all at the same time, Yeah, which yeah. is weird, right? It is very weird. Because it's not just people who are into, like, the spooky, gothy, like, aesthetic of it. Like, mm -hmm. I like darkness and I like yeah. death. It's like, no, uh, everyone finds their place in Halloween and mm -hmm. relates to it in some way and yeah. feels a sense of connection or a sense of release um, yeah. where they can enact some aspect of themselves that they don't often get to tap into, which might be, you know, the young trickster or it might be the individual who wants to tap into this, like, deeper, more spiritual communing with the spirits place mm -hmm. or, you know, the gothy kid who gets to dress in all black and feel a part of everyone like who knows um but it it offers this alternative space this alternative way of being and i think that really is why it does sort of speak to so many people right so there is sort of like um you know punk sort of aesthetic can fit in halloween people yeah, who are already kind of dressing a little grungy and yeah. a little like uh wearing dark clothing or wearing clothing that's sort of like 
ripped up and it's kind of like, like I'm not part of your system, like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that appeals to them, but it also appeals to, like you said, to people who are like specifically gothy, like where yeah. it's like my thing is darkness. Yeah. Um, but it appeals to people who are into like new age woo woo stuff mm-hmm. who might be into the idea of like tonight, like I am a bear or like something like that. There's like this like costume thing that's going yeah. on and then you have children who um feel the freedom of like running around with their friends and like being mischievous and it appeals to them. Yeah. You also like you're being given the uh you're being given the opportunity to be kind or to be mischievous. Like yeah. I, I just think what what does it do to the psychology of a child to to have this ritual of trick or treat? Mm. And and what uh, this space of allowance of allowing someone to kind of you know, what do you want to be for Halloween, Jimmy? It's, I want to be a Power Ranger, you know, or yeah. I want to be Thor or, you know, or I want to be a prince or, you know, it's like you get to choose in in a world where I think sometimes you don't get to express all of these things very freely. And, and just from this very young age, I feel like Halloween captures children in a way that other holidays do not because mm-hmm. it is fun, yeah. but also there's, um, there's possibility and yeah. there is this sense of what does it actually mean to play a trick um, or what does it mean to be sweet and like get your candy? Um, right. It's an interesting idea just to to think about of 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 why it captures the, the youthful psyche so much. Right, right. And there's this um, again returning to it, it's sort of like a breaking down holiday. Yeah, as far as like breaks like, down barriers. Breaks down barriers. It kind of breaks down the rules. It kind of breaks down a lot of the constraints that are on us. A lot of the time, and that's why I think I think people enjoy it so much. It's like they feel like they would need to be released from the constraints that are normally put on them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I feel like a holiday like <clears throat> Christmas, maybe there's a better example, but I feel like Christmas is sort of like the opposite of Halloween in many ways because like Christmas is sort of like building structures up. It's sort of like there's sort of a ritual of like um, being more contemplative, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps mm-hmm. paying attention to something that's important that maybe you're being lazy about like Mm. your family Mm. or um people who do go to church like they're not going to church to party right usually i mean there's feasting on christmas but Mm -hmm. there's sort of a sense like remember what is important yeah remember the rules Mm. remember um that there's something in life that's important so there's this feeling of like the constraints are being kind of built up for some of these rituals of like be vigilant, get in line, remember mm. what's important. And I feel mm. like holiday is sort of the opposite thing where it sort of breaks those things down. It's like become an animal again, become a monster, right, right. Um, throw off your shackles and do whatever it is you want. Yeah. And that is something that I think the, uh, the culture resonates with more now mm. than maybe it has in the past. Mm. For whatever reason, I do think that people feel alienated in many ways right now. And I think, I mean, you could tap this into like the last episode we did about um, the collective shadow and the psychology of conflict mm. is that there is a sort of a deep alienation, a deep confusion, mm. um, a deep need to vent, a deep angst yeah. that I think that Halloween manifests pretty readily, which is why I think it remains popular and why I think it will continue to remain popular. Well, you know, I think it's also interesting in what you're bringing up in 
that people can relate to Halloween in ways that um, are secular mm. um, or even not because there are like, as we mentioned earlier, like ties to the more traditional religious um, aspects of the yeah. holiday. And as we sort of develop into like, you know, the, the, our year and yeah. our holidays, mm-hmm. you know, there are reasons for people to feel angry at everything from like Christmas to 4th of July or Thanksgiving or uh, Easter. It's uh, there's, things feel really complicated right. and charged, yeah. but Halloween kind of feels like a break from all of that, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like the holidays, the holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving are holidays I don't like. Yeah, because it's also like drawing you together with people and family that you just like really might not want to see or right, don't connect with. And that's the structure again, right? It's <laughs> right, like kind of right, like right. constraining you into a structure that's right. like, this is important. It's mm-hmm. like, do we have to meet with like Uncle Betty? Yeah. Not Uncle Betty. <laughs> Maybe Uncle Betty. Um, nowadays. Uh, do we have to meet with like our relatives? Like, I don't really want to do this. It's like, you have to. So it's sort of like, it's like the rules are being implemented for right, these holidays. Of like, right. this is important. It's mm. like, it doesn't feel important. It's like, but it is. Remember, right, and Halloween, right. I think it's like, do you spend Halloween with like your parents? Right. And no, your, and you your relatives? You it's don't. like, if you're five years old, right. maybe. But like, if you are 14, yeah. younger even, it's like, you spend Halloween with your friends. Yeah. yeah it is like do. the time. It's like, there are no rules and like, right. do whatever you want. And like, hmm. um, that is something that I, th- I think, I mean, because both are important. Yes. Like they are. when, when yes. I say like, yes. I don't like Christmas and I don't like Thanksgiving, it's like, I don't, I don't really mean that I think the holidays themselves are, are stupid or anything like that. Yeah. I recognize their importance. I do think that we need, uh, rituals in our lives mm-hmm. that we do use to remember what's important yeah. that we do sort of like uh do a reconstruction of like this is what life's about you need to keep in mind that the, all these things are something you need to keep doing you need to kind of be thankful for your food that you're getting you need to be thankful for where you live you need mm-hmm. to be thankful for your family and your loved ones you need to be thankful that you're alive mm-hmm. remember that those things are important but there yeah. is sort of this counter holiday yeah. of halloween and again that's like why people just like the counterculture i think in mm-hmm. many ways that is like you don't need to remember anything. Yeah. Like let it go. Like Christmas is like, remember this, like be thankful or sorry, Thanksgiving is more like be thankful for this good food. And like right. Halloween's like candy, like just eat like tons of candy. <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're not thinking of that as like, like, Oh, let's thank, let's thank God for this candy that he's yeah. given. It's like, that's yeah. out in the window. Right. Eat candy. Just drink a ton of alcohol. Right. Wear like a sexy costume that like makes no sense. Yeah. And just like, go around being an asshole to people like i guess if if you want to and it's like eh, it's kind of like what halloween is like well i think it's uh, there's also i think a feeling of of all of that kind of coming into life and people acting that out but mm. there certainly are uh, kind of follow-ups to that and maybe not on like the grand scale of how everyone is celebrating but you have a following halloween like day of the dead or the rest of um the kind of liturgical holidays that are yeah. being observed which is in a way, kind of connecting to something more meaningful, like let's remember our family, let's contemplate the dead, let's kind of connect to this shifting of the seasons mm-hmm. um, that that still has a role. But we need to look at what is manifest in the collective consciousness and how people are acting things out, which is like Halloween is this really crazy holiday yeah. where people just release mm-hmm. and enact all of these different elements. And so, yes, there might be these other dynamics of of how we go back into that contemplative space or remember the shifting of the seasons Mm -hmm. but the manifestation of what halloween is right now is what is ultimately reflective of of what the need is in the collective yeah yeah i think 
it's interesting to think about like my own personal experience with Halloween mm-hmm. and the way that's been interpreted and overwhelmingly ever since I was little Halloween to me has been um, a time when my trickster side comes out. Yeah. And this is, you know, and this, this may or may not be obvious just by listening to the podcast if you don't know me, but there is like a pretty, a pretty big personality within me that mm. is like the trickster. Yeah. Um, and the trickster comes out like when I drink, for instance, and I get like really silly and like I just like love playing pranks on people. But Halloween, again, because Halloween is a time where people can express themselves in all kinds of different ways. That's been the venting for me. Yeah. How am I venting? How am I letting my shadow come out? Yeah. How am I letting my repressed energy take hold of me? Mm. And like that's like being mischievous yeah. and silly and absurd mm. and like being antagonistic towards people like not in like a really hostile malicious way but just like being sort of like like pulling a prank yeah you're kind of messing with someone when you do a prank Mm. and maybe they'll find it funny maybe they won't it doesn't really matter yeah but like uh the costume that i wore for years in a row for like all of all of my college halloweens was a like a robot costume Mm -hmm. and i thought that the robot costume was so hilarious and it was really, really stupid. And like not many other people thought it was funny, but like I thought it was really funny. And I would make the robot costume bigger and bigger every year. Like get bigger and bigger cardboard boxes <laughs> and like tape them together in more ridiculous ways. Um, and then I would have like a cardboard like robot costume that was so big that like it couldn't fit inside parties. <laughs> but I would still try to get into parties like in my college town. And maybe sometimes I'd like go into the party with with it all folded up and I would try to put it on in the party and it would be so big that like, (laughs) you'd have this like, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, like, like, um, like seven feet tall costume and maybe it's like four feet wide and like, it's like being piloted from the inside and like, it's not practical at all. It's like people, people want like practical costumes where it's like, oh, I can move around. It's comfortable. Right. I can dance. Right. This is the opposite. It's like, okay, now I'm going on the dance floor with like this giant like hut basically. And like, there's like this stupid, like smile drawn on the costume where it's like, I'm a happy robot, but it's like people like can't dance because like it's so big and like stuff like that. It's like, it's like what's coming out when I do that is like, I think it's hilarious. I think it's really funny and it's not something that I would feel like was appropriate to do right, right. at any other time during uh, my regular life because like uh-huh. it would just seem really like weird and obnoxious but like on Halloween it's like I can get away with it mm-hmm. and then I'm and I'm going to embrace it mm-hmm. and that's that's been my experience which I find interesting like yeah. that's the repression yeah coming out I don't relate to that yeah. <laughs> you couldn't guess <laughs> I I I feel like my propensity is towards uh upping up like my mystical factor <laughs> yeah this is this is just you guys should know this if you're listening to the podcast mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. like you know i i want to tap into like the priestess like i want to put on like really interesting face paint that looks very ceremonial yeah. i want to wear like some like cool like kind of powerful looking sort of beautiful you know mm-hmm. skirts or this or that and i don't i don't want to be ugly and i don't want to be trickstery i don't resonate to that although i find it hilarious yeah. in other people mm-hmm. but uh, what i want to amplify inside of myself is something that's there but that i just don't feel like i get to access all of the time it's right. like if i was in another world in another time you know i would probably like dress like this yeah. every day that's kind of how you I feel. Do. 
but even more so than I already yeah. do. Alyssa has face paint on right now. Yeah, you guys can't see she's it. She's wearing but... wolf skin. She actually has a, a staff with her for some reason. It's like, you don't need that for the podcast. Yeah, I'm like, trying to cast my magic spells. insisting on having and... a staff. Um, no, I wish I had a staff. That's a really good idea, actually. Mm. Um, but that's that's where I go, which is like I do want to sort of shift the persona that I have of, you know, the everyday Alyssa who takes care of business and goes right. to work and yada, yada, yada. It's yeah. like to me having fun is tapping into what I sense in this time of the year, which mm. is more of that connection to the liminal space and the shifting of the seasons yeah. and like the energy of just the atmosphere like I have always resonated to this idea wherever it's actually really come from to the veil is thinning. Right. You right know? You're always saying that about Halloween. I am. I'm like, I find so interesting. <laughs> that's your relationship to Halloween. And, yes, and that's exactly. different than my relationship. Yeah. And so you do have a sort of repressed, it's a strong word, but you do have yeah. an energy that you don't get to exhibit normally right. and right. you allow it to come out on Halloween. Yeah. And you've actually allowed it to come out more and more over time. I think mm -hmm. just with your personality to yeah. sort of wet this sort of, um, the priestess, become more of who you are because yeah. this is how you really feel right. but this uh this saying the veil is thin is is, is something that you said Probably years ago, years ago yeah. but i remember when i first heard it, it's being like what do you mean by that <laughs> and it sort of because because my assumption was like are you making some sort of like supernatural metaphysical statement that like the spirit world is like crossing over into the human world and it's like that sounds a little ridiculous to me like what do you mean yeah, but I'm that sure. is that is your experience in halloween yeah. i think that's so interesting and, yeah. um, you know, something else that's been your experience on Halloween has been taking drugs, yeah. right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, so, like, that's a different take on Halloween, right. but it's not inappropriate. Right, right, it's right. It's like that... Yeah, makes rather, sense. rather it's not than, like doing acid at like Christmas dinner right, or something where it's right. like, what are you doing? Like, this is inappropriate. Yeah, like, For Halloween, it's appropriate. Yeah, rather than getting drunk and turning up that kind of like intensity that. I don't know that alcohol does, you know, yeah. it's, it, it tends to be a little bit of, of just a more mischievous, um, um, I don't know, just uh, drug, <laughs> let's yeah. call it what it is. Yeah. But, um, I would rather take something that like alters consciousness in a way mm -hmm. that seems to make me more connected to like the land or mm -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm. And, um, sure. I do like to have fun. And if my friends are having a party, like, yes, but also like, I would love to kind of go into like the dark corner and light mm -hmm. some candles and like, let's talk about these like deep things and what do you sense? And, you know, it's just much more my personality. And I, I, I kind of gravitate towards tapping into that and allowing it to be fully expressed versus kind of the, let's run around town and egg houses and, right. you know, just go be bad kids. It's like, eh, nah, not interested. Right. But the, uh, when you're doing drugs, part, part of what, what is happening mm. is you are leaning into like the notion of the spirit world crossing over. Yeah. The yeah. veil thin is like the dark side or the, uh, not really afterlife. That's not really the right word, but like you're trying to get in touch with that. And like, yeah. do you feel like your, your drug experiences on Halloween have accomplished that in some way or do you feel like that's what's happening yeah that's it, kind of the point. It, it certainly does like increase that experience or it's something that i contemplate already in like regular waking sober reality it's mm -hmm. like uh doing you know something more like acid as an example just mm -hmm. inherently i don't know i think it like it just it cranks the unconscious up to yeah. like crazy levels and your, your ability to kind of like 
sense patterns and create connections and to feel into uh, this sort of like inter interdimensional space, you know, that's the perception at least that it feels like has this uh, spiritual, magical kind of mystical, esoteric feel to it. It's just mm -hmm. what's happening inside of me. And that's kind of what I find interesting about Halloween is like, I feel different inside. Things kind of feel like they're moving. This sort of anticipation towards this day is like, yes, the veil is thinning and I might sense things a little bit differently. And, and it's kind of nice to just lean into that and not in a way that you have to over identify with it or, you know, you definitely need to drink to have a, a mischievous time or do drugs to feel mystical. It's like, nah, you don't really need that. Um, you can still kind of lean into the holiday and the space in a way that's grounded and just contemplate those aspects and yeah. then enact them in ways that I still feel are quite grounded and um, leave, leaves you at least in, in an area where none of that can go overboard, which also can happen on Halloween, right? Certainly. I, I went too far. You crossed too far. I crossed too far. Into the dark side. Yes, or drank too much. It's like Stranger Things or something. It's like, mm. oh, this is lost in like the upside down world now, and <laughs> we have to go find her. Um, anyway, so Halloween is is coming up shortly, or mm. maybe you're listening to this later and it's already happened. But um, uh, it's gonna be a weird Halloween this year. It's not gonna be normal. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not even really sure what to expect For as sure. far as how much people are actually going to still try and do the regular. Halloween yeah. ritual and being out and about, I kind of imagine it won't. Um, there is an air blower. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, lawn, it's a lawnmower. It's a lawnmower. There's a lawnmower <laughs> that is uh, right outside our window that just <laughs> turned on. Uh, maybe you can hear it in the podcast. Maybe you can't. But um, sounds like a chainsaw. It sounds like it a sounds chainsaw. Sounds like someone's coming to kill us. I think it's too early for a chainsaw massacre <laughs> to be happening to us. But maybe it's Halloween. Um, but, you know, take advantage if, if this Halloween is going to be different for you, if you're going yeah. to spend it indoors, for instance, if you're going to be on Zoom, um, if you're going to laughing at the lawnmower, <laughs> um, uh, Halloween might be more more of a contemplative yeah. um, ritual this mm. year for you. And, you know, think about what it means to be in touch with the darkness, Yeah, what it means to be in touch with your shadow, what it means to embrace... Uh, your inner monster or mm. evil. Um, you might still dress up this year or you might maybe think about what would you dress up if you were going to and and think about what does that mean? Mm. If I would dress up as a ghost or if I would dress up as a vampire or if I'm going to dress up as Buzz Lightyear, like, why? Yeah. Why are you choosing that? Yeah, bring, bring a little bit of consciousness to it. Yeah. You know, when you, when you think about what you want to become and then ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. What does it represent? What's like the greater symbol or the greater archetype that's behind Buzz Lightyear as an example, yeah. or a cowboy or whatever? Because there's something there, right? Something's being constellated inside of you that mm -hmm. is wanting to be expressed and kind of put out into the world. And so just having that bit of awareness, especially in this really weird year that we find ourselves in when we're not going to be distracted by huge gatherings and parties, this is an opportunity to sit with the ritual of Halloween in a totally new way. Yeah. And, um, you know, think about your history with Halloween. What have you done with Halloween? What did you do as a child? What were you drawn to about Halloween as a child? How did you spend it in high school? Mm -hmm. um, if you went to college and uh, you probably participated in a bunch of Halloween rituals in college and uh, what were they and why? Um, what is your history with this annual ritual of darkness? And um, what are you going to do this year? Take the opportunity to uh, let yourself vent 
let that repressed energy come up embrace your shadow side if halloween is going to be an emotional thing for you if it's going to be a time of pain um if it's going to be you getting in touch with the state of the world or the election that's coming up or this feeling of uncertainty this feeling that we're crossing over into a dark time um let it happen try and sit with it and make this holiday something that is actually meaningful and powerful as opposed to something that is superficial and silly as it often is now it's time for a question from one of our audience members this is from andrea i have the same dream motifs over and over again i'm sitting in a chair at square tables where I drink or eat with people who also have chairs. Sometimes people I know in my real life, and other times people I don't know. Or I'm with people looking for a table to sit down. Uh, The two other motifs are houses with rooms and doors and stairs, and snakes. Thank you. Okay, this is interesting. For a couple of reasons. First, for anyone listening, I recommend that you go back and listen to our dream series um, episodes because recurring motifs are very important as you do dream work and as you learn to interpret the symbols and images that come up. They do occur over time. If you're not paying attention, you might not realize. Sometimes it's really obvious. So what role does that play? Why is it important? Check out those two episodes. Um, But just to speak to the general symbols of these dream motifs, let's start with the first one. Um, What comes to mind, this idea of sitting at this like square table um, with people either that she knows or figures that seem unfamiliar. Hmm. I get like the sense of like the knights at the round table. Hmm. or the the council like the inner council coming together and you know i have no idea what these dreams are like or what the tone are what's ever happening in them but this is a motif that's recurring so you think about a family gathering or some group that's gathering and to me i i just think of what is happening symbolically and archetypally when when there's like a converging of different individuals and it's often to share, to make a plan, to start a journey into something, you know, I don't know what she's going through, but I would really look towards this idea of the gathering of the parts of herself that need to sit and communicate with one another. Right. The table to me kind of communicates this sort of interfacing with people, Mm. the place where you are engaged in some sort of social interfacing Mm. and it's a dream right so it's very symbolic so it's almost this place where you are mingling with others energy or you are um becoming part of them and they're becoming part of you maybe the unconscious is sort of trying to uh grapple with uh a social life or relationships that are either maybe difficult or confusing or full mm. of conflict Interesting. or maybe just um, people that you have to work with that you're seeing often yeah. and the idea that you are sitting down at a table with these individuals um, that's different than standing up. Standing up seems a little less formal. It yeah. seems less of a ritual. You could just walk by someone and interact with them and you're just in passing 
Whereas at a table, it's almost like you are part of a team. Yeah, yeah. Or you're yeah. sitting down to engage in something that is a uh, uh, agreed upon right. um, interaction. So the psyche is playing with uh, forming bonds in your mm. life or forming teams mm. or how to get people together or uh, navigating relationships in this very structured way. Yeah. Actually, sometimes in, um, you know, we haven't really tapped into this subject matter yet, future episode, kind of active imagination, journeying, um, certain like really active meditations that I've had, mm. I've kind of been like suddenly kind of launched into an image of sitting at a really big table with kind of like the council of my self, mm. <laughs> like all these different versions of me mm. sitting at this table and it's like, okay, it's cool. really serious What now. are you guys eating? Um, I don't think we're ever eating, which is surprising because I love food. It's weird. I know, doesn't right? Doesn't sound like an Alyssa council. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It was serious, okay? Um, <laughs> but that's kind of the sense in in that there's a gathering that's happening and often like an intentionality or sharing or like let's get down to work or let's start planning just like what is causing the energy to gather mm. and then to center especially at like a square table which means that there's four which gets you into the the sim the symbology of the quaternity which represents wholeness yada 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 so there's some interesting dynamics that are going on there mm. um the house we know about the house don't we Oren? Uh, the house as representative of your reality yeah. in a sense or your psyche. Like um, the psychic current landscape, I think, is, is kind of how I like to look at it. Right. I, I mean, and it's kind of an abstract <laughs> thing if maybe you, you know, haven't thought much about like how your psychology actually works. But we each have our own reality. Mm -hmm. It's it's sort of easy for us to think that like, no, there's like one objective reality that we're all looking at. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like everything you see, everything you feel, the very objects like this table, this chair that's in your life, it's like that's part of your reality mm. and you see it a certain way. Yeah. And so the house is kind of representative of your reality and you feel as if everything that is happening to you in your life in some sense a container mm -hmm. for you. So mm -hmm. the house can be representative of all your relationships. It can be representative of your job. It can be representative of your geographical location. The house can be representative of just how you feel. Yeah. Um, and we even use this metaphor when we communicate with each other. We say things like, where are you at right now? Yeah. What we mean is like, how are you or what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Yeah. What's your trajectory? We say, right. where are you? Yeah. And so like in the dream space, like, where are you? It's yeah. like, you're in a house. It's like, where's the house? It's like the house is your reality. Right. And so if the house is on fire, for instance, yeah. you feel as if your reality is is crumbling around right. you. Yeah. If because the house is moving, you feel as if like your reality is in transition and you're mm -hmm. traveling, tra traveling yeah. somewhere. Yeah. The, it, the, the psychic landscape that you live in, that you inhabit Imaged as a house makes it relatable and understandable. So you can kind of like journey deeper into the basement and, yeah. you know, like this might be diving into more like unconscious shadowy material, things mm. that you haven't yet discovered, or maybe you're sending up into the attic space. Maybe you're going in through the front door, which might be like typical ways that you handle situations or in yeah. the back door. That's kind of like, you know, maybe a little bit uh, of, of a different method or technique of, of approaching something. It's sure. like, are you in the kitchen? 
Are you uh, stirring the alchemical pot and, and shifting and, and blending things? You know, there's all right. these different ways you can look at it. So the house is just a very interesting container for the current psychic landscape. And, you know, are you moving through doors? Are you going upstairs? Is the house on fire? Is things Are things peaceful? You know, those are all like the elements to pay attention to when you dream of the house. Right. We were just talking about this the other night of, of a dream in which the cabinets explode <laughs> and all this dark spirit energy is pouring out of the yeah. cabinets. And yeah. like, what does that mean? This yeah. sort of notion of like the cabinets are hiding something. The cabinets, the cabinets have some sort of energy that you're not paying attention to or right. you don't want to look at. Yeah. And they explode open and all these dark spirits pour out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a weird dream. And it's like, well, it's representative of your reality feeling as if there's all this hidden energy that cannot be confronted. Yeah. There's all these, there's all this darkness mm-hmm. that's been swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And so your reality doesn't feel like it's something that you can like actively engage with. And instead it just explodes out at you in all these yeah. like painful, dark ways. Yeah, and definitely. So the house is just, again, it's, it's taking concrete objects um, as mythological containers of experiences mm-hmm. and trajectories and feelings in your life. Yeah. Okay. Last symbol, um, the snake. This is a great um, dream image um, that, well, in some ways we have absolutely no context. So we'll go over a couple of the options. First yeah. and foremost, the snake can represent wisdom or this like very primordial kind of life energy. You think about like the Kundalini, which is like the coiled snake at the base of the tailbone. And when it's released, it's like (laughs) life starts to really take on this new shape and energy and that moves up the spine. Um, You think about the Ouroboros symbol um, throughout sort of Gnostic alchemical uh, medieval texts and the relationship that has to kind of like this infinite cyclical nature, um, the snake biting its own tail. Um, So you're tapping into some like pretty heavy, very collective, unconscious imagery with the snake. Right. The snake is a very cosmic animal Mm. and that seems almost universal. Um, It's hard for me to say why. And I know that a lot has been written about the snake, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, the snake is a prominent uh, symbol in, you know, the story of the Garden of Eden, for instance. Yes, yes. I mentioned that too. sort of uh, manifestation of the intellect in some sense or like the... Uh, the messenger of Lucifer, which is sort of like the pathological dark intellect. Mm. Um, but also dragons, a lot of the monsters we have in our mythology are like snakes that have been amplified mm. into more uh, grand, like royal creatures. Like the dragon is a flying snake that lives forever and breathes fire, essentially. Mm. Like we have this relationship with snakes oh. as apes that is both one of like reverence and terror yes yes that's the other important thing to keep in mind is you know is is the snake being imaged in this way of monstrosity or uh darkness and Mm. uh poison and you know like it's going to bite you and you could get sick or you could die um you see you know what, what is it? The basilisk, right? Yeah. Uh, the basilisk, Harry Potter, or mm. like Typhon from Greek mythology. It's like the snake can be powerful, but it could be an agent of death and destruction. Yeah. Um, at the same time, that death and destruction brings life and rebirth. And I think that's why you have that association to the Ouroboros with it biting its own tail because it's sort of the, the regenerative principle uh, that brings rebirth, but it also kind of um, denotes destruction as right, well. Right, the snake is kind of transcendent 
in this really intense way that like it, it can be sort of a gateway to higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's how it's depicted in the Garden of Eden, uh, Garden of Eden right? Yeah. But it's yes. also, it could be a gateway to your downfall and yeah. it can rip you to pieces and the snake is poisonous and it can bite you and it can infect you with consciousness. And once you're infected with <laughs> consciousness, it's like you can't go back and like yeah. you have to be reborn as this new thing. So there's there's definitely this, again, very cosmic, very transcendent, very sort of like... Um, you know, gateway to the God world that kind of the snake strangely represents, but it also could just be this person had a pet snake once and like, uh, <laughs> it represents something that's like cute and mm-hmm. like a companion, or maybe this person is terrified of snakes just yeah. physically right. what they are. And maybe the snake represents something that's just like, Oh, that's scary. Um, or, you know, the snake could just be a, a manifestation of nature or something. Yeah. Those, those, those things are always, always possible. We really need more context before we want to say it's a transcendent weapon of God that brings you into higher consciousness. It's like, well, <laughs> careful, mm-hmm. careful with that. Yeah. There's always, always caution with these, <clears throat> with these symbols. Yeah. I mean, that's why dream work always comes back to you, the individual, the subjective experience, your associations to it. So we hope uh, this gave you a couple of ideas to consider. Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Contact us through a submission form, which can be found at our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.